Hello, adventurers. I want to take a moment to tell you that all our content can now be found uninterrupted and commercial-free on Apollo Plus. Apollo Plus is a subscription-based service that enhances your audio fiction experience with ad-free access to your favorite shows and exclusive content, while at the same time supporting us all as creators to keep bringing you quality content. Please take a moment to check out Apollo Plus at apollopods.com or download the app in your Google or Apple app stores. Again, that's Apollo Plus, your new home for quality audio fiction. Hi, I'm Jolene, the voice and player behind Cordelia Shieldheart. I wanted to tell you about some exciting things coming next year in 2021. Starting Tuesday, January 5th, Mikey, our dungeon master, is going to throw a live listening party on our Twitch channel. He plans to feature a different episode each week walking through the story and even the game that was originally behind it. Come join us in the chat as we relive our moments at the table, in the studio, or just all of us having a great time. Again, it's every Tuesday at 7pm Mountain Time out here in beautiful Colorado, and we're starting January 5th at twitch.tv forward slash Dice Tower Theater. The other thing is, for the month of January, we will be holding a custom dice giveaway from our friends at Dragonite Dice. All you have to do is just put a short review of this show on podchaser.com. That's it! All authors of new reviews in January will be entered to win a set of custom-made dice, and the first 10 reviews will also get a sticker. Thank you so much for your support, everyone. It really means a lot. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or join us in Discord on the Cast Junkie server for some chat about the show. You can find links to all of these things in the show notes. And now, back to the show. Dawn of Dragons, Season 3, Episode 4, The Dark Army. Aha. The ravens feast early this day. Yes, Captain. Quite so. Hmm. Benedict. Her gauntleted hand rested on his armored shoulder a moment. He didn't stir or react. He simply stared at the ground, leaning on the battle-worn two-handed greatsword, his armored chest heaving. Three. Light breeze carried the smell of iron and blood across the icy cold air of the field. You could see the other units and skirmishes still battling. The closest a hundred yards away, they were in a position far to the south of the attack center, primarily fending off or intercepting small units of orc and man that were attempting to flank the order's outward defense on the battlefield. He noted the sun's position still low in the eastern sky, hidden slightly behind the tower behind him. It felt like it had been hours, but it was merely the beginning. He looked back to his captain as the roar came from the invaders to the west. Her pale green eyes shone behind the visor of her steel helm. 
You saw the ends of dark ash-colored locks from her temples falling from behind its edges. These were braided and kept shorter than the shoulder. This was a common length for infantry and cavalry, he had noticed, though many wore their hair in different styles befitting their own personalities or cultures. They wore the same plate armor, though emblazoned with a sword and crown emblem. It was left to personal taste or preference on whether or not they would don a helm. Ridley, can you see the vanguard still? Nay, they seem to be all gone. This is fresh for us, sir. How about you, Malleus? <laughs> what do your pretty alpha see? <laughs> Same as you. As the dwarf knight Ridley confirmed with her shield brother, Captain Morin didn't take her seafoam eyes off the newest member of the 5th Infantry. She needed to make sure he was as ready as he could be for what may come. The battlefield holds no mercy, after all. Come. Another wave, Benedict. Another dance. Benedict nodded, and as he saw the approaching horde of wild-faced enemies, he drew up his sword to meet them. Shall we, then? Fix, is that a library over there? Ah, yes. Yes, it is. I shall see what it may hold. May give us a clue. Please do. We need any clues at this point. Cordelia looked around the massive central hall they stood in. This was the tenth floor and was mezzanine-styled area. It was also largely unused. Cordelia found herself remembering seeing the army of Lord Alvar only a few hours ago. I never thought I'd see such a sight. Army daring to advance on the Celestine Tower. They stood on the massive wall overlooking the battlefield. Legions lined up on the vast, creamy white plain, tufts of browning grass poking up out of the snow at intervals, casting a dirty hue to the ground. The small armies at this distance seeming less real and more like a game for a sinister child. The sun cast the tower's shadow in a long hand across the field of battle, stretching a few miles, landing finally on the faint encampment in the distance, the invaders' encampment. It's uh... horrifying. Yes, and our forces are bare, as you can see. I fear some not as ready as others. Too young. The local farmers have offered up arms to assist, but I've decided only as a last resort. Do... Lord Alvar looked at Cordelia, his gray eyes and kind face still proud, but unable to hide a glimmer of hope behind them. Do you believe the portal still exists? It sounds like much of the tower is a mystery even to you, my lord. From what I know, the five towers are connected with a portal that can be used to pass between them. Much as I hate to admit it, I concur with Cordelia, as I've heard the same thing. That in times of old, it was used to assist in help or message as well as moving people and resources. <sighs> Although, it may be rendered unusable. I cannot guarantee it still works. We 
haven't ascended past the tenth floor for centuries. There's been no need to. Then there became superstitions and legends that kept any secrets it held safe. I know not if they are true, but there may be guardians that I don't know about. Hmm. Who knows what ghosts roam those halls above? If we can find the portal, we could bring the librarians here to assist before all is lost. Agreed. And that is the hope we must rely on. Hurry, my friends, and may the knight and maiden guide you. Are you sure they said they came to this floor? It just looks like it's been empty for a long time. I mean, between the dust and the... Ugh. <gasps> wow. Oh, look at that. The sun had raised in the sky far enough to cast itself through the large, ancient stained glass panel in the central hall. Six panels stood, each a different set of multicolored glass, depicting a figure surrounded by several smaller scenes. The reds, blues, and greens danced across the 50-foot walls. The image diffused. They noticed this chamber branched into six directions, no doubt spanning into the other six smaller towers. You go ahead. I'll... I'll be right there. Sophie stared up at the images as they all left the room to inspect the path to another tower. One figure in particular carried a staff and a long black robe, behind which the face was the grim visage of an ivory skull holding the staff in one skeletal hand and a single coin in the other. the rope attached to the long arm of the trebuchet and took a cursory glance to make sure I didn't see any tearing. Return to loading! I joined my team as we turned the multiple wooden spokes of the war machine, winding the 30-foot arm down and lifting the several tons of counterweight off the ground simultaneously. Based off our last shot, we would keep everything the same as much as possible. I could smell the burning bonfire behind us, and it helped ensure we couldn't smell the horrible smells of battle. Though at the time, the heat was more welcome. Captain, Calvary, 15 degrees west, 900 yards and approaching. Well, hurry up and prepare to welcome them. I don't mind latecomers to my party, do you? No! And we still have gifts for our new friends. Sylvie knew. She knew as she looked across the battlefield at the charging cavalry, a mix of human and orc mercenaries no doubt serving this Lord Palace. Their dark armor was cruelly cut to angles at their shoulders, horns curved wickedly in different directions, and their eyes, their eyes flared with an intense bloodlust as they drove towards the front ranks of our infantry. Those brave souls set out to anticipate and intercept our enemy. Sylvie just knew from the still and tense air behind her. We were ready. Then may the night guide your hands. Fire! Fire!
200 pound stones cut through their advancing ranks. Despite having our duties changed at the last minute, I felt as if this truly was our calling on this glorious day. Our barrage continued as the sun drew low in the sky, until the last of the advance pulled back at the end of the day to return to their camp on the other side of the distant hill. And we pulled back opposite them to the southwest of the tower. It was then that something happened I will never forget. Please! Medic, help them, please! A rider rode back from the front line after retrieving a body presumed dead. But I saw the blood-matted blonde head lolled to one side, displaying behind the grim look of a very much alive knight. And more so, I... I knew him. Oh, there, Arsenia. Is that... Malleus! Arsenia slid to the side of her bay-colored horse to dismount. Gripping the cracked leather reins in her left hand, she placed a calm hand across our friend's badly hurt head, taking care not to touch any of the wounds hidden in the mass of hair and blood. The pointed tips of his graceful elven ears, helping to identify him to us even when he was so unrecognizable. The iron and mineral smell of the horse's sweat and the blood were the first real smells of warfare we had all day. Gustav and I realized this as we looked at each other, shocked, as if just then it dawned on us. This battle was in fact very real. Ayla, I can't see you, my friend. Is it you? Yes, I'm here. Malleus, please, stay with me. It would take more than that lot to take me out, my friend. His bloody smile told me this was true, and my heart settled a little. His head again rolled as if owned by a child's rag doll uh. to his side. He was looking up from the back of that horse uh. as we pulled him to the ground. If Malleus was a human like myself, I'd say we were about the same age. Around a quarter century, his elven bloodline was ancient in the land of Troll. More specifically, his family were nobles within the Silver Maple Woods at the northern border. His tanned skin wore a proud badge of the sunlit groves of the sweet purple apples native there that held tart apricot notes within the crunchy fruit itself. His golden hazel eyes, though filled with pain, showed much life still to be had. <laughs> I, I had no choice but to smile in relief at both my fearless friend's condition and his attitude towards it. <clears throat> Excuse me, Sergeant Forsyth. I must tend to his wounds now. Yes. Yes, of course. Hearing my formal title was, to be honest, a bit jarring, as here we didn't refer to them directly. Our positions and roles at the great war machines that towered before us spoke to them enough. Everyone loaded the machine but only we sergeants pulled the release. And only then, after the captain called for it, we bandaged up Malleus and made our way back into the great wall that surrounded the Celestine Tower. And this time, those great doors were open. A few hours had passed since our forces had returned to the keep to refresh themselves from the battle. 825. 825 young soldiers is what we still had. 
There were a handful of veterans, such as myself, fighting alongside with these brave young people, but the odds were staggering. The more we repelled, the more we felt them double in size, like a great hydra. Benedict had enlisted, much to my delight, though I wasn't surprised. It was at the end of the day I saw him helping tend to the wounded, with hopes and prayers. I felt something in them, though. Not just the rhetoric of faith, simply recited from the practiced tongue, but there was actual power in his words. A calming power. I noted how the Night Lord must be truly guiding him, as I saw him kneel next to a dwarf whose arm was battered and bloodied. I saw the dark raven hair of his father on his bowed head. There was no doubt, no doubt, this was Lucilius's son, the heir of Garnet Keep. Evening. How goes the watch? Good, good, Captain. Her nerves were tight from the tension of the day. I could feel the coiled spring of readiness tempered with panic. Excellent. I, I hope you don't mind if I join you here. Have a hard time sleeping this night. <laughs> sure, be my guest. <laughs> Though I don't have much to offer in the way of refreshment or. <laughs> well, well then, I, I would have to leave this embarrassment to my station. <laughs> <sighs> Excuse me, Night Captain. Keldor, please call me just Keldor. And your name is. She looked at me with a different look then. The hard gaze seemed to soften in her deep brown eyes, and the rich mahogany of her cheek shone a tint of scarlet where it met the gleaming helm of her polished silver armor. A long plume of midnight blue dyed horsehair poured out in the gentle breeze, gracing her pauldrons. I am Daria. Kel... Keldor. Your tunic's emblem is red. I considered the old worn tunic over my armor, now restored somewhat to its original glory. Originally white, as was hers, it was now more cream with the holes of whereabout. The crown and sword at my chest, along with two wide bars at the base, denoting my rank, were in fact originally red. Now they faded to a paled crimson. The colors lost to time, as with what they symbolized to me in those lost years. Her emblems, as were the rest of the knights here, were blue. G- Garnet Keep? But I thought the keep was... Lost? <laughs> As did I, Watchmaster. As did I. Caleb, how are you? Stop with the pleasantries, Keldor. We both know there's no time for that. Especially from you, deserter. I beg your forgiveness, Night Captain. He's no deserter. Oh? Hmm. Did you not know the story of the brave Sir Keldor? Please, Caleb, I... Please? You ask me to forgive you for abandoning your post? For abandoning your so-called friends? You let my sister die in that fire, didn't you? His words struck home like a lance draped in a holy flame. I felt the white-hot lava of guilt pour over my heart, remembering his sister, Ilona, 
bravely diving into the flames of the burning building to defend her family. Gonna keep. His auburn hair was still cut close to the head, as he always preferred. His ice-blue eyes peering through the dark-rimmed slits he allowed them, now like a predator preparing to strike. His hot breath held remnant smells of a hasty meal. Answer me! Didn't you? Caleb! Caleb! You are no judge. You have no idea. We have no idea what he's been through. Lamprey walked swiftly between us, his blue eyes strong and locked on Caleb. His black tunic whipped against the leather armor he wore underneath. A streak of mud cut across the tunic's four fading red bars at the base denoting a sergeant major of Garnet Keep. Caleb's white tunic depicted two blue bars indicating a knight captain, like myself, but based out of the Celestine Tower. Lamprey's left eye was bloodshot from the grit of the day in the trenches of those pikemen, propelling infantry and cavalry alike from a centralized attack at the main force. Now is not the time to relive that which we cannot change. My quarrel isn't with you, Lamprey. It is now. Caleb froze for a minute, assessing the situation. The wind on the parapet gently blew by as I could feel the tension in the air approach a zenith. My hand unclenched, leaving deep indentations in its palm from my nails. I was unaware of this until now. It smelled birch and pine and the bonfires out at the perimeter fifty feet below blazing. The arms of several trebuchet lined up just at the edge of the firelight fifty yards from the wall. The moonlight aided in a blue-white glow that reflected from the walls of this magnificent tower behind us. One thing to note, for some such as myself, when tension rises, I've often found you become more aware of your surroundings, in many ways more alive. I suppose that is why some of my shield brothers and sisters grew to love battle. There is no time for any of this. Now calm yourselves. Ho there! State your name and your business! Watchmaster Daria moved quickly to the edge of the wall, peering down to the muddy ground below. Standing, there was a single figure out at the edge of the torchlight. Teal war paint surrounded his eyes and pulled down his alabaster face in twin points, like assassin's daggers. His red copper hair was straight and hung to the shoulder. It was pulled back, revealing the pointed ears of the elves. He wore the midnight tunic, emblazoned with what appeared to be smeared dark blue teardrop, but inverted, if flowing upwards. I looked at Lamprey, whose furrowed brow and eyes confirmed he had never seen it before either. The rider's lips curled cruelly back. I am Lucas. And I carry a proposal of great importance to one of your own. The creak of the small gate opened as two heavily armored sentries walked out to hear the visitor's proposal. They looked at each other, a bit shocked to find one of the generally good-natured sons of the forest staring at them with a crazed look on his face. 
The mysterious teardrop shape now revealed a grim skull, looking as if it were melting down the front of the tunic in a deathly blue-green. Speak your words. Speak then, and be gone. You heard him, stranger. My only wish is to speak with my brother's son. Is that so much to ask for? <laughs> Tell my dear Malleus to meet me in the center of the battlefield at dawn before our first sorties. The fate of the Silver Maple Woods rides on it. He will know what I mean. <laughs> Forsyth is played by Elizabeth Riggs. Sophie is played by Sarah Jenkins. Benedict Shieldhard, played by Brian Dowling. Caleb is played by Ned Donovan. Cordelia Shieldhart is played by Jolene Frescus. Lamprey the Bartender is played by Matthew Bianchi. Lord Alvar is played by Mike Kinker. Lucas is played by Scott Blankfield. Malleus is played by Patrick Mendelson. Warren is played by Shannon Roby. Ridley is played by Briar Zachary. Sylvie is played by Melinda Barkhouse-Ross. Mix the Chaotic, played by Daniel Nichols. From the Happy Go Lucky Podcast. Zorin, played by Cody Miller. Gustav is played by David Tilstrom. Daria is Larissa Bishop. Bryce is played by Harlan Guthrie. Arsenia is played by Sunny Alyssa Wolf. And I'm Mike Ashley, your narrator and the voice of Keldor. Thanks to our patrons, Haley Munoz, Daniel Nichols, Jolene Fresquez, Brian Dowling, Colin Holmes, and Corey Fouch. You too can support the show by joining our Patreon, leaving a review, or simply telling a friend. Stay tuned for the next episode as the battle continues. Will they find a way to bring in the support they need to continue the fight? Or will they succumb to the forces of Lord Pallas and his dark armies? Until then, stay safe and remember the oath.